The Torah portion this week, Vayeshev, is one of the more colorful of our texts. After Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, we immediately hear the sordid story of his older brother Judah, who ends up sleeping with his daughter-in-law Tamar because he mistakes her for a harlot. Right after that, we return to Joseph, who is now working in the Egyptian Potiphar's house and has become a successful and handsome, as the text tells us, servant. Potiphar's wife, who is never named, tries to convince Joseph to sleep with her, but he refuses day after day. Finally, she gets him alone in a room and tries one last time. When he refuses again and runs away, she tells her husband, quote, the Hebrew slave whom you brought into our house came to me to dally with me, Litzachek, to dally with me. But when I screamed at the top of my voice, he left his garment with me and fled outside. Potiphar believes his wife and throws Joseph in jail. Reading these ancient stories of sexuality, of coercion, of false accusations, it is hard not to think of the current, ever-present conversation about sexual harassment and violence that our country is engaging in right now. It feels like a national reckoning as we witness the seemingly daily fall of one respected leader after another from media to politics to tech, many of them Jewish men. Since October, the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too movement, has forced us to ask hard questions about how in 2017 we have allowed this behavior to continue. How after decades of the feminist movement, and the more recent struggle for LGBTQ equality, how is misogyny still so pervasive and poisonous in our culture, even at the highest levels? Our Torah is far from a progressive portrayal of gender or sexuality, but it can help us nuance how we talk about this. It recognizes that sexuality is a central part of our lives, that it can be a source of enjoyment, of new life, literally, but also a tool of oppression. That it is not always men against women, that it is not always overtly malicious, but it is often about power, master and servant, supervisor and employee, mentor and ambitious mentee, teacher and student, senator and constituent, and that there is a spectrum of dangerous behavior that we should be careful not to collapse into one great offense. The grabbing of a tush is not the same as forcing someone to have sex against their will. And creating an uncomfortable environment with inappropriate innuendos is not the same thing of forcing someone to watch something that they don't want to see. 
No one should do any of these things, don't get me wrong, but a sense of mishpat and tzedek, a sense of justice, requires different responses to each of them. Time magazine may have made them person of the year this week, but for most of the women who have come forward, the process has required great bravery, personal sacrifice, and very little reward. So let's not let their outcry be in vain. This process is not about vilifying all men. It should not be a witch hunt to unseat anyone and everyone with whom we disagree without any due process. It should not make us so paranoid and self-conscious that we build a permanent mechitza, a wall separating men from women in our lives. This movement is ultimately about going beyond symbolic, superficial responses to gender equality and having to truly face the unconscious biases and sexual repression with which each of us struggles. This is about protecting the vulnerable, protecting the stranger within our midst. This is about finding a way to be together as one Klal Yisrael, as one whole people, as one community, so that we can have rich, vibrant relationships with anyone and everyone, irrespective of sexuality or gender. Now, Rabbi Fenvis is correct. We Thank do you. need to approach <laughs> our society today without falling into the age-old trap of this becoming a witch hunt, where in the process we begin to fear engaging with one another. And now while we must approach this moment with a sense of grounding and balance, it's also incumbent upon us to hold this truth in one hand while also making sure that we are protecting those who are the most vulnerable in our midst, those whose powerlessness makes them vulnerable and at times defenseless against such acts. Now I agree with all of this. But the challenge that we have as a society is that we oftentimes play defense. We look at a problem and we figure out how to defend against it instead of drilling down to the root of the problem and then preventing it from occurring in the first place. I grew up with three sisters and I remember the constant advice that was given to them about not putting themselves in precarious positions defense. I remember the early speak of people carrying whistles, defense. Walking on well-lit paths, defense. You've seen the same reaction to police shootings. You just need them to wear cameras, defense. As Jews, it's our job to react to what is in front of us, but at the exact same time, to constantly prepare for the future. When we read about Joseph being in jail this week, we celebrate Joseph not only for how he reacted to the present, but because he was a man who could listen to others' dreams. And with that knowledge, he could then prepare for the future. He used his present to plan for what was coming. Joseph becomes a leader not because he has magical powers, but because he knows how to use his present to prepare for the future. 
And the amazing thing about Emmanuel is that it is a place where people are at all phases of life. Both the present as well as the future are underneath this dome. The present, which is most people in this room. We are out in the world as adults, interacting with the world and reacting to the world. But another foundational part of our community is not the present, but it is the future. This is the home where individual families, they come together in order to raise their children together in a spiritually and emotionally healthy environment, focusing on raising the next generation of global citizens. And so it's our job as Jews to make sure that we are preparing them for the future, preparing them to create a world where hashtag me too, it no longer means I was also a victim, but rather hashtag me too means I was part of a generation that was raised to never misuse my power. We are launching a program in conjunction with Shalom Bite, an organization whose mission it is to foster the social change and community response necessary to eradicate domestic violence in the Jewish community. We want to create the space not only for our teens to talk and to learn about what it means to be in a healthy relationship, but also for parents of every single child in our community to come together and to learn and to discuss what we can do to see the next generation. How all of our children can understand what it means to have power and then not to abuse it. Potiphar's wife sexually harasses Joseph because of how she was raised. She seems oblivious to anyone else's needs or desires beyond her own. To her, Joseph is not a person, but an object. Now, if I could write my own midrash, and I could go back in time to what she was like as a child, I imagine that she grew up in a well-to-do home where she had help. Maybe she even had a nanny. And her parents, they wanted the very best for her. But as she grew older, she began to have an attitude, just like all children do. And then she would boss the help around the house and demanded what she wanted just as every preteen kid does. But what was different is that her parents didn't tell her to stop. They didn't teach her that the staff were not objects, but they were humans. Human beings that had feelings and emotions. They let her continue her behavior. And it was, look, it was one thing if she was rude to her parents. But to the staff, I mean, honestly, they only had so much bandwidth. And they could only reprimand her so much. And so what became an entitled child eventually morphed into an abusive adult who could not see past her own wants. How different her life would have been if she could have just stared the help in the eyes and seen that they were not just objects as a means to get to her ends, but as people she was in relationship with. How different Joseph's life would have been. Now we can look back and we can think, what if, what if, but the beauty of where we all sit today is that we don't have to look back. We actually can look right next to us and around us and begin to lay the groundwork for a much healthier generation. What made Joseph a character in our Torah 
who was so revered and respected was not because he had magical powers. No. What he did have was the ability to use his power and his influence in the present to guide the future. Today, each of us has the power to be as magical as Joseph, where we use the resources and the skills we have to guide and to shape the future that will inevitably come. May we be the generation that leads our children to create a world where they no longer see others as objects, but instead they see others as holy vessels, holy vessels that they are in relationship with. Can you hear that song? Can you hear that song? Shabbat shalom.